I really, really enjoyed our grandkids, so, uh, you know, grandkids, Don. Grand, you know, it was one of those things. But we're glad to be home. Hey, before I begin, I've only got a few moments this morning, so we're going to do something a little different. But before I begin, let me take a moment. Guys, look at me for just a moment. You retired men. You need to go to this retreat. These young boys need to see men who can speak into their lives. I want to encourage you to consider that. Okay, I mean, think about it. You get up at 7, right? 10 o'clock, what do you do? You take a nap. You eat lunch. After lunch, what do you do? Yeah, you take a nap, okay? So if you'll, I'll tell you what I'll do, guys. If some of you will sign up and go, Doyce, if you'll sign up and go, I'll send Don with you, okay? I'll, I'll, I'll do that, okay? You'll go? Don? <laughs> Sorry, dude, you know? Hey, it's good to have stroke, man. Well, listen, let me tell you what to do, we're going to do. We've got a unique day today. We really do. I, in a few moments, we're going to introduce to you a young man that we believe is God's man to lead a very important part of our church, our student ministry. And I want to tell you it's exciting. You're going to come to love this young man, and, and uh, there's just no doubt as our team worked through the process that Kyle, who you'll get to meet in a few moments, uh, is uh, just uniquely, I think, designed for Indian Springs, okay? Now, obviously, with me having to give some of my time up to him, uh, I don't have time to take a passage and break down a, spa a passage to you like we usually do, but I do want to take a few moments to uh, just kind of share my heart. Three or four months before I went overseas, I began to really pray and seek the Lord and uh, maybe begin to ask the Lord, Lord, where do we go from here? We, Don has been working on it. Uh, he and I have been meeting, fleshing out, planning out some things. And, and I've just been saying, you know, God, man, you've been so good. And we, we have these wonderful opportunities in front of us. How do we get from here to here? And so that's kind of where I've been as I was out of town. I, I just prayed a lot. Um, God, where do we go? What do we do? And let me just kind of, uh, by way of introduction, share with you that over the next few months from time to time, and especially in early December, when we present to you our next year's budget, we're going to be sharing with you what we believe God has shared with us about the future of Indian Springs Baptist Church and a sense of where we believe God wants to take us, okay? Now, I want to say to you, and I hope you feel this, it's an exciting time for us. Man, I, it's, we've had an exciting past, but the past is history, right? And I believe the best is yet to come. But I'm, I think I'm gray enough to know that in the process of looking to the future and trying to decide some things from the future, for the future, there'll be some decisions that will have to be made, and there'll be some challenges that God will bring. But, beloved, we've handled that before, and through all of these 18-plus years, those have been exciting times for us, and we've all tackled it with excitement, and we've tackled it with unity. This past week, I came in on uh, Tuesday night. We had about a 26-hour trip, and so we were obviously tired, and, and I, uh, we went to bed, and, but I got up Wednesday morning really fresh and had what I think is probably the best quiet time I've had in months. Now, it could be jet lag. You know, I slowed down long enough to hear God. I don't know. 
But I want to tell you, I, I went to my study at home. I got on my face before God. Uh, my prayer was just so fresh. I took the scriptures that I read, read, and they were just so fresh to me. And I know I couldn't preach regularly today. So what I felt was that God just burdened my heart with this idea. Tom, take your people into your study. Have your people kick into your quiet time. And so I want to invite you into my Wednesday morning quiet time. And I just want to talk to you from my heart, okay? Now, before I read my, my verses, I asked the Lord, Lord, man, the future is so great for us. And there's so many people to grab hold of. And so many people need souls. And, and you're the God of change. And you're the God of freshness. What is it going to take for us? What's going what to be required of us to move from point A to point B? And God, through my morning scriptures, spoke to my heart. I don't know how you do your quiet time. I just let me tell you. I've shared this before, but let me take just a second to tell you what I do. I uh, I pop up my computer screen. I have a little journal I write into. Nothing major. I don't expose my heart because I don't want anybody to read it when I'm dead and gone. I usually just say, Lord, I love you today, man. I just love my church. I love my family. I love my grandkids. All that kind of stuff. And then I have a chapter of the Old Testament. I have a psalm. I have a proverb in accordance to the day of the month, and then I have a chapter in the New Testament. It's not a reach and grab. I systematically read within the context of what's written. Now, there are those who say you should read through the Bible in a year. I think that's great. I can't do that because I guess my EDD, I get this idea, well, i got to get through it, so I blow through it and check it off, and so I'm, hey, read through, but I don't have an idea what I read. So what I have found in my life, it's better for me to take one chapter of the old, Psalm Proverbs, Pro, Psalm to praise, Proverbs to live, and then one chapter of the New Testament. That's what I did. That's what I do. Wednesday, here's what I did, okay? Now, I want you to take your Bible. I'm going to put some scripture up on screen in Joshua, but I want you to go to Psalm with me, Psalm 133, and just be patient there because we're going to get there in a few moments, Okay? God, what does it take? What's going to be required of Tom? What's going to be required of the leadership of Indian Springs to Baptist Church? What's it going to require to move from A to B from our people? And in Joshua chapter 17 is where I started. That was my Old Testament passage, and I'll throw those verses up for you. The first thing I saw in that chapter is that it's going to require a fight. Okay, now everybody take a deep breath. Let me explain what I mean by that, okay? Because, you know, when you're, when you're short like I am you don't, and you're old, you don't fight anymore, okay? What I mean by fight is that not division, but tension. You know as well as I do that any time you work through issues in your life, whether it's your job, your family, church, whatever it is, life brings tension. And you have to work through, you have to navigate through that. Isn't that right? If you, how many of you have been married over 15 years? Oh, yeah. See, I see the bruises, right? Life requires that. 
there's always going to be somewhat of a, of a tension that you have to navigate through to accomplish great things. It's just the way it is. And it's no different in a church. We've got to, we're going to have to make some decisions. Some of the decisions are going to be challenging because we've got to go in a direction that glorifies God and reaches people. That's just a, And what I saw in chapter 17 of Joshua, that very thing. Now let me tell you what's going on. Okay, Joshua is dividing up the land. In Joshua chapter 17, he comes to the tribe of Manasseh. And he gives them their land and he says, you're powerful. Go capture it. Take out the Canaanite. Capture the land. But the people did two things. Number one, they weren't satisfied with what God had given. And they didn't obey God fully. Okay? Now, in chapter 17, verses 12 through 14, do we have that? Uh, yeah. I'm going to read it from my Bible. You guys look at it there, okay? Verse, verse 12 of chapter 17. But the sons of Manasseh could not take possession of these cities because the Canaanite persisted in living in that land. It came about when the sons of Israel became strong, they put Canaanite, the Canaanites to forced labor. But now listen, but they did not drive them out completely. God told them to eliminate the Canaanites, not subjugate the Canaanites. Now again, you understand what, what he's saying here? Partial obedience is not obedience. It takes total obedience to God. Verse 14, and probably, let me back up, probably the tribe of Manasseh said, hey man, we've done good here. Man, they're working under us. We're telling them what to do. But they were supposed to be eliminated. You tracking with me? Verse 14, then the sons of Joseph, which is Joseph's sons Manasseh, Spoke to Joshua saying, why have you given me only one lot, one portion for an inheritance, since I am a numerous people whom the Lord has thus far blessed? They didn't fully follow God. Fear overcame. They didn't drive them out. And they weren't satisfied with what God had given. Now, gang, listen to me. Fully following the Lord in every area of our lives requires a tenacity that even when it seems to be a little difficult, and even when it seems the enemies are lined up against us, we continue to march forward for God. Wednesday, as I read this, and in fact, what was interesting to me, all these Verses kind of came together in one idea Wednesday for me. Usually there's a chapter, a chapter, and I kind of think through it. This was all together. And what I said to myself, Tom, you've got to, and you've got to lead your leadership to, and you've got to lead your people to fully follow God. Every future of every relationship requires a fight and a sacrifice to fully follow after God. At the end of the day, you and I must be able to say, God, today, as best I know how, with the, the, the context you've given me, with the opportunities you presented, with the ability that I have, 
I'm going to bed because I have fully followed the Lord to the best of my ability. And so as I was thinking about, well, where are we going to go from here? What does our people need to hear from us between now and December? The one thing you need to hear from me is that I'm going to, and I've recommitted to fully follow the Lord. I don't want some partial obedience out of it. You shouldn't have, you shouldn't accept partial obedience from your pastor. It ought to be all or nothing, except when I'm visiting my grandkids. Okay, And that's what he said, first of all. It's going to require a fight here, a tension. You and I and our leadership are going to have to navigate through some of the things that we may not be real comfortable with, may not even be sure of, but we're going to do it for the glory of God anyway. That's life. That's life in church. And I want to submit to you that's exciting. Okay, Now, from there, we go to Psalms. And this is what was amazing to me. And I do want to read this psalm, Psalm 133. Where is Psalm 133? Is it in the Bible? Oh, yeah, it's in the Old Testament. Okay, listen to this, Psalm 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, coming down upon the edge of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing life forever. Amazing to me. As I move from the fight and the tension that we're going to have to work through, God showed me that even in that challenge, there's got to be unity. We have to remain family. A fight? perhaps, but there has to be family. When you're trying to flesh out decisions and make decisions, oh, dear people, there can be, and there must be unity, okay? Now, your question may come up, well, how do you do that? How does that happen? Well, let me give you something. Unity is a choice, not a circumstance. Grab it. Unity is a choice, not a circumstance. If everything is coming up roses, if everything is peaches and cream, unity is pretty easy, isn't it? I mean, everybody's happy. Everybody's smiling. All the fog is lifted. Everything's very clear. But again, I submit to you, like I did a minute ago, life in church is not that way. We're humans. Unfortunately, you have an imperfect pastor. And so what do we do? Do we wait for the circumstance to be right, to be happy and unified? No. We say, I choose. I may not understand it all. Hey, I may not even agree with it all. Hey, if it was up to me, I might even do some things a little bit different. But I choose to be unified. And beloved, that's not optional. Even Sometimes people say, well, you know, you shouldn't criticize. Yeah, let me tell you what I think. Now that I'm an old preacher, I can say this. It's okay to criticize. It's okay to criticize. If your heart, if your attitude is right, criticism is not bad. It's helpful if it's done in the right spirit, you see. And you can, ha- and because there may be some criticisms or 
um, challenges, that doesn't mean there's disunity. It means that people care. I remember early on here, we had uh, one of our transition times. It was very difficult, and I was young and, and defensive, and, and uh, I didn't handle it very well. Probably surprising to you. And, uh, and I, I, I later have realized there was nothing wrong there. This person loves their church. They just didn't understand what I was doing. They were probably right because I probably didn't understand what I was doing as well. I was reading a book. I don't know if you know John Piper, but he's a, he's a good preacher, good writer. I'm reading a book called Risk, and we ought to all read that. In the book, he quotes Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who is one of my heroes. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German who uh, was uh, lamenting the slide of the church and the rise of Hitler in those days prior to World War II. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that these are my words, not exact words from Bonhoeffer, but here's basically what he said. Sin is not in doing something and failing if, you, if it's done in faith and love. The sin is in not trying. Can I say that again clear? Sin is not in doing something and failing if what you're doing is done in faith and love. The sin is when you're not even doing it, not even trying it. And so it requires a fight, but it requires a family. As we move forward, make decisions, we have a decision to make. I choose unity, and you will. And you know why? Because over these 18 years, you always have. Someone asked me one day, why is uh, Indian Springs seem to be blessed? And I said, well, you know, the people allow me to make mistakes. They allow me to make decisions, even though Sometimes they figure it'll end up a mistake, but they let me do it. That's unity, you see, okay? Number three, how much time I got, Don? Okay, number three, go to Proverbs. If we have time, we're going to throw it up there. Um, it also requires a focus. Let me tell you what God spoke to me about in Proverbs 8, 10, and 11, okay? Proverbs 8, verse 10 and 11. Boy, this just grabbed me because it ties in my whole quiet time. Take my instruction, not silver. You see the contrast? Instruction, not silver. Knowledge rather than choicest gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all desirable things cannot compare with her. Now, what I mean by focus, gang, I mean priority, okay? Here's what I got from this. We can go wisdom's word, which is scripture, or we can go with the world's riches and the world's philosophy. And they are in, they're diametrically opposed. They're antithetical to each other. You cannot go God's way, and you cannot go the world's way. And even though the reference here is riches and money, I understand that. To me, it encompassed more than that. It encompassed me the whole desire thing, see? Riches or rightness. What would you rather have? Amassing or investing? That's why the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God, you see. So whatever we end up with, by the end of this year or maybe the beginning of the next year, whatever decision we ultimately make, in whatever direction we ultimately go, I want to submit to you that it's got to have God's glory stamped all over it. And if it doesn't have God's glory stamped all over it, I'm going to have nothing to do with it because ultimately it will fail. Whatever it is, 
wherever God finally takes us. And by the way, we have, Don and I have a pretty good idea on some areas where we are going to be going. If it doesn't have God's glory, I'm not going to touch it because ultimately it will fail. So we have to be focused, right, on God's way. And then number four, real, real quickly, and then Kyle's gonna, Don's going to come. I was supposed to be in Mark, and somehow I got messed up in my Bible reading, ended up in Luke. And we don't have time to go there. But the last thing that God showed me in Luke chapter 1, which is a real long chapter, is that it always requires some kind of faith. It always requires some kind of step where when you look back, you say, only God could have done this. And that's what is going to be the bottom line requirement of the direction we go. Now, let me tell you, two things stood out to me in that chapter. You can go back and read Luke 1 at your convenience. Two things stood out. First of all, John the Baptist. In verse 15 of chapter 1, the Bible says that John would be great in the sight of the Lord. He would drink no wine or liquor. He would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not on this anti-drinking thing. I'm, I'm, I believe in abstinence. You know my heart. But that's not what God spoke in my heart about. What God said was, there is this way, and, but if you want to be filled with the Spirit, there's got to be this way. That's the contrast that's there. You see, for John the Baptist to be filled with the Spirit and for John the Baptist to be used greatly by the Lord, there was a part of his life that required discipline. And you have to be disciplined. It has to be God's way to have God's favor on your life. You can't have it any other way. And then the last thing is verse 38, Mary. And you know the story of Mother Mary and, man, how God used this young teenager, a pure virgin teenager to bring forth our Lord and in that monumental moment when reality hit her can you just imagine what it must have been like for her in that moment when reality hit her you know what she said behold here's your bond slave a bond slave of the Lord be it done to me according to your word you see a God honoring life decision direction whether it be personal, family, church. First of all, always requires discipline. But always requires devotion. A broken surrender to God. Now, in a general sense, this is where my heart is. And this is what will be involved as we flesh out the future of, G, uh, of, of Indian Springs for Jesus Christ until Christ comes. It will require a fight intentionally to work through. It will require a family. And I told a group I was preaching in Macedonia, and I, I told that Jeff, my son's core group, I said, I want to tell you, i got, got the greatest family, church family in all the world. We've got to be family. requires a focus. Who's this about, you, me, or is it about the glory of God? And it's always going to require a step of faith. It's just the way it is, gang. We've got to do some things that can only be described as a work of God. Amen? How, how long was that? <laughs> Good. Hey, Don, let's just do this. Let's just come. You come on up, brother. And uh, Don's going to lead us into introducing Kyle Kane. Glad you guys are here today.
Well, I think we need to let our pastor know how glad we are to have him home. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Good to have him back. Vacation's over for all of us. Yeah. We've got to go back to work now. All right. Hey, gang, good to see you today. Today's a very important day in the life of our church uh, because today uh, we get to meet and hear from Kyle Crowell. Uh, in your bulletin there, there's a little bio, biographical sheet uh, that you can see a little bit about Kyle's family, uh, also a little of his experience where he's been, a little bit of his education. Uh, Kyle, you'll notice in there that uh, Kyle's wife is expecting their fourth child uh, at any time. So she wasn't able to make the trip down here with him this time. Uh, she's at home there with the kids, so we definitely want to be praying for them. And as Kyle comes today, I want you to imagine you going for a job interview and as you go to that job interview, they bring the whole company out there. And you have to stand before that whole company and talk to them and introduce yourself and all of that. And uh, that's a little bit what it's like when a staff member, a pastor, comes and quote, as we say, in view of a call. Because you have to come and talk to everybody and a lot of folks uh, that you don't know. I will say that back uh, when Mark first let us know that, uh, that he was leaving, that we sat down and looked and, and wrote down characteristics, qualifications, things that, that we thought that uh, the Lord would have us have in the new person who was coming. And as we sat down with those qualifications uh, and the search committee began to meet and diligently pray, uh, they very uh, diligently uh, followed a process. And as it is... They followed that process uh, very deliberately, very diligently. Uh, God brought Kyle to us. Uh, once that they felt like uh, unanimously that Kyle was the man, I want you to know that we did an extensive uh, criminal background check. Uh, we did a credit check. Uh, we checked references. Uh, you know, we called the FBI a couple of times, you know, to find out about this guy. And so I want you to know that your search committee uh, did due diligence, and they did their homework. Uh, but again, all that's just stuff on paper. But I, it's my privilege to introduce to you Kyle Kroll. Kyle, you come and share, brother. Thank you, Don. Pastor Tom, thank you for your time this morning. I appreciate it. That brief that you shared was important. I've already mapped out things I need to be doing in the next couple of weeks. Um, being completely obedient to God. Well, as Don said, my name is Kyle Crowell, and yes, I did make sure to meet the maximum height requirement for your church, so we're good there. You know, it's, it's, it's funny, when you, uh, when you see your life put down on a little half sheet of paper, and then, uh, and then you're told to, to talk about yourself, it's 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 just difficult because uh, I look at these things on on these on this page and I and I go, these are, there's a story behind that, there's a story behind that, and I don't have time to share with you the stories because the neat thing about all those stories is that God's involved in every one of them, and uh, I don't know it's just hard and I'm not really a sentimental kind of person, um, but just just seeing that this morning um, just really. I'll tell you my story very briefly, and then hopefully 
uh, God willing, I'll have time to share with you all the stories about things on this page about how God has brought me through um, and shown himself to be a great, great guy. Uh, I was born in Oklahoma. Please don't hold that against me. Um, God saved Paul. He can save someone from Oklahoma. And uh, I, I had the privilege of being blessed with godly parents who taught me to love and serve Jesus. And just with, with their wisdom, uh, I, I followed him as a, as a young man. And at the age of 13, I was on a uh, student ministry retreat, and we were camping out on Keystone Lake, which is near Tulsa, for those of you familiar with it. And we were talking about God's plan for your life and God's direction for your life. And, and about, about the time we were finished with the talk, uh, me being a 13-year-old, I was really smart. Um, there, was a, there was a mantle lantern, and I noticed that the screw was loose on it. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to go fix that screw. But it had been on for, I don't know, hours. And so I touched that, and it just, these are the old ones where they had the metal rod that went right up through the middle between the two mantles, and so it, you know, it's conductive, so the top of that was just incredibly hot. So it really burned my hand pretty bad. And so I went back into my tent, and everybody else was still down by the campfire, and I was just thinking as I'm, like, trying to bandage my hand in the dark, um, God, what do, you, what do you want me to do? And I just very clearly, I heard God say, I want you, I want you to work with teenagers, and, and at the time, I didn't know any better but just to say yes to God, and so I said, okay. And I've been on that path ever since then. Uh, I've, been, I've been blessed to uh, serve under a student minister who, it, it, even as a teenager, he saw that this was God's path for me, and so he just kind of pulled me in and said, this is how we do things, you know, and this is why we do things this way. Um, I went to school in Missouri, and I met my wife there, and, and you can see her, she's She's just a wonderful person. She's the best thing that's ever happened to me um, besides Jesus himself. My wife did not have the privilege of growing up in a home full of love and wisdom, and um, she is all the better for it um, because God has brought her through that. So I really appreciate her wisdom and, and love in my life. They're my three boys. Uh, Cougar is the, is the oldest. Um, that's not his real name, um, but... That was, <clears throat> that's his nickname. Again, a story. Why is he called Cougar? Don't have time for it. Just, just call him Cougar. If you call him by his real name, none of us will know who you're talking about. Um, <clears throat> my second oldest is Max, and uh, he's, he's awesome. Uh, he's just energetic. And then um, Ben is there in my wife's arms, too. And, and so they're, uh, they're a lot of fun. And then our daughter will be born any minute, you know, um, next week, maybe, maybe tomorrow. Who knows? But... Uh, God knows that, so it's all gonna it's all gonna be great. So I met her there, and then I just keep felt God's call to leader. You know, you need to prepare yourself for for ministry. And so I, I graduated college and went to seminary. And as I was in seminary, uh, just hoping to be there just a couple years and get my degree and, and get out. I just I really felt God telling me to continue on in my education. And so I I went the long route, and I was in school for. I don't know, 25th grade, I think. Uh, yeah. But uh, it, has, it has served me well in ministry, and that's really what I want to tell you guys, just real, where my heart is as far as students in the church and what that looks like. Um, this thing called student ministry is a fairly young discipline. Um, hasn't been around for a long time, maybe 50, 60, 70 years, depending on who you talk to. 
Uh, because before that, we we just grew up in in our family, in our church, and then our culture changed, and we we pushed kids into schools, and they started getting their own culture. And so then we said, we got to reach that culture, so now we need student ministers to reach the culture. And one of the great things that we tried, and it was successful to a point, was let's get a real charismatic guy, and let's have him play his flute, and he'll charm all of the teenagers, and they'll all come together, and we'll have this big group, and they'll all follow Jesus, and it'll be great. And we'll have some water balloons and pizza in there somewhere. Uh, and, and somewhere in the midst of all of that, uh, we got some people to love Jesus. But if you guys have been paying attention, you'll see all these statistics thrown out right now, and it just depends on who's doing the research of, you know, 50%, 60%, 70%, 80%. I've even seen 95%, and I was like, that's really high. But 90% uh, of, of high school students, when they graduate high school, they will leave the church and never return. And, and that just caused in me this desire to say, well, clearly what we're doing kind of works, because obviously I was under that model, and I followed Jesus, but it's not the best thing if we have these high numbers of kids leaving church and not walking with Jesus the rest of their life. And so I just started looking and digging and, and, got, and, you know, really asking God tough questions. God, how does this work? What does this look like? And, and what I found is that it, it takes a group. It takes a community. It takes a community of people who love students because I may not, I may not connect with every single student, but somebody will. And if those people love Jesus and we can surround those students with people who love Jesus, then then that rubs off, and they'll see, um, they'll see how to follow him their whole life, and that's really my passion, is how do we teach students to follow Jesus their entire life, and through that, we see that the best people to reach students is students, and, and if we just take the not, well, they have to know everything about Jesus and God, because I don't. You know, I'm, I'm learning every day, but if we take the Nathaniel approach in John where he says, I don't, I don't believe in Jesus, and Philip says, well, you come and see, and we have students just telling their friends, come and see Jesus, come and see Jesus, I'll take you to him, and he'll show you everything. So that's kind of my heartbeat, just in a, how do you say that in a nutshell that's really easy to remember is, is this, that um, I believe that the ministry like student ministry is not ministry at students, it's with students. Um, because, well, the one thing that they lack is wisdom, um, but they have passion, and I need that. And if 1 Corinthians 12 is true, then if they believe in Jesus, they have the Holy Spirit, and therefore sometimes the things that they say has great value. And God speaks to me through them a lot. And, and so I've always found the best approach is not to me be on a platform and talk at them, but let's do this together. Let's do this thing called life together. Let's serve this God together and see where he takes us. So that's my heart, and uh, Don, where do I go from here? We're good? Now Kyle gets to go up the hill and... Uh, teach our students during Sunday school uh, today. He met with some of them last night. Some of you met with him last night as well. Again, we talked about requirements earlier. One requirement was that this pulpit had to fit you just right. And so you see that Kyle 
our goal, Tom said our goal is to have the shortest staff in the Southern Baptist Convention. And we're, we're working on it, right? We're getting there, all right? Hey, I, I did mention earlier uh, our search team and uh, how hard and how diligent that they worked uh, through this in, entire process from last spring through the summer, even until now. And I want to ask Charlie, if you will, who was chairman of that, uh, to come right now. I just want to tell you who's on the, the team. Uh, Shalene Phillips, who just left with Kyle. We got him out of here so he wouldn't have to listen to us. Uh, Rich Cowell. And Rich, incidentally, as soon as Kyle, first time we met him here, Rich nixed him because of his height. Which Rich has bigger heights that he wants to climb. Uh, John Roberts, Luke Smith, Gail Shelton. Gavin Garcia, and Sarah Cowell. Um, so the search committee unanimously recommends that Kyle Kroll be called a student pastor. Okay, you know we're not real formal around here, but this would be considered, as formal as we get, this would be considered a formal business meeting. Uh, this motion comes from the uh, student pastor search team that uh, Kyle be called as our new student pastor. Uh, coming from a committee, it does not need a second, but at this time, there would be an opportunity if, uh, if you have a question concerning that uh, that you would like to ask. Yes, sir, Mike. Yes, we, uh, the, the committee, we, we ask him every question uh, you can imagine, uh, both as a search team uh, and Brother Tom and I meeting with him individually. Uh, we, we ask him pretty much every question you can think of. Okay, one, one question that I'm sure that people are wondering you may not want to ask is if, if we were to call Kyle and he were to accept, uh, when would he be here on the church field? Obviously, we want him here as soon as possible. But as he mentioned, uh, this little baby is going to play a factor in that, okay, with his wife. We don't really expect his wife to give birth and then move the same day, you know, from down here. So, uh, so we're, we're hoping, uh, you know, uh, within, you know, somewhere the middle of November, uh, it might be though as late as first of December, okay. Sort of in those, sort of in those parameters, and we'll we'll flesh that out as we go along, okay. All right, uh, Charlie, do you got some folks that can help you count this vote? Uh, okay, what we'll do is is we'll we're going to be voting at the end of each service instead of trying to bring everybody back tonight or whatever, and we will count the votes, and then we'll keep the votes from this service. We will add them to the votes at the second service, and then depending on how the church votes, uh, whether or not we uh, offer uh, Kyle the call to come and be our student pastor. Okay? So all in favor of Indian Springs Baptist Church calling Kyle Kroll as their new student pastor, please raise your right hand and get it up there, okay? And hold it up while we count. 
We've got five people counting, so there'll be five numbers, but that's okay. Guess walks in right now. They think they're in a Pentecostal church. Everybody's hands are up. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. You got it. You got a number? Okay. Good deal. Hey, you know how they vote in the Pentecostal church? They say everybody in favor put one hand down. Okay. So we do it the other way. All right. Hey, thanks for your time. I hope you have a, a, a great time in Sunday school. Do what? Oh, I, I, might, I might need to do that. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, all opposed. Thanks, Charlie, for reminding me. I got so excited. All opposed. Please uh, raise your right hand. I don't see any. Okay. All right. Thank you for your vote. And then we will add that to the vote of the second service. Okay. Again. Let me, let me close us in prayer, and then we'll get to, hey, we're right on time, too, Tom. You did a great job, brother. All right. <laughs> you can save out long summer for next week. All right. Okay. Let's pray, and we'll go to Sunday school. All right? Father, thank you uh, for the way that, that you work in the life of our church. Lord, it's so exciting to, to be a part of a, of a, of a family uh, that, that loves each other and loves you. And, Lord, we're all blessed simply because you placed us in the body here where it pleased you to do that. So, Father, thank you for all the, the, what you've done in the past. Lord, thank you for what you're doing now. And, Lord, we look forward to what you're going to continue to do in us, and through us, and with us in the future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.